Hello, friends, and welcome to a golf podcast unlike any other. This is Fairway Rollin' on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. Every week on Fairway Rollin', it is myself and our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, talking all things professional golf, amateur golf, amateur betting, professional betting, amateur drinking, professional drinking by birdie buddies. If you want to hit them straight out there, please check out Fairway Rolling every week. Available on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. What's poppin'? Logan Murdoch here. Raja Bell there. Real was his back, baby. Raja, how you doing, man? Long time well. no see, bud. I know. And in, in the time since we last saw each other... I went to the driving range. It's been a while since I played golf. I had to put I had to put my sticks up because when we had our last child, um, Kaya, my my wife was on bed rest, and so I was responsible for the three boys. Not enough time in a day to play golf and do that, so I put them down, and then just never really got back to them. Then hurt my wrist, and they got a little low back issue, and so you know, life took over. I picked them back up. I picked How'd them back up, Logan. Well, I was just at the range. I was just range sessions, bro. But I've been I sometimes time away is a good thing. Okay. Yeah. You know? Wait. Like you got I understand my swing a little bit better. I I am I'm slowed down, you know, much more than I was. Maybe it's the it's it's just age and, and maturity, but I've been hitting the ball pretty well. But good job, man. Hey, Thank question you. for you. Yeah. Question for you. You're a pro at this, Raja. You're a fucking pro because you just gave us our first segment of the podcast, which is the relationship between basketball players and the golf course. Why is it like so I feel like basket I feel like the relationship between basketball and golf is like predates the the relationship now that basketball players now have with wine where it's just like oh it's the cool thing that we just have a wine we're just we're here we're you know we're vibing we're going to take the napa trip every time we're in california type shit now like it's almost cliche i feel like before that 
the thing was golf, right? It was just a thing that every base, uh, basketball player just did. I'm going on the golf range. When we have the Phoenix trip, we're going to the range. When we go to, uh, if we're popping, popping enough, we go to Georgia, we're going to go to Augusta and play some rounds. Why is there such a relationship between golf and basketball? It's a, it's a great question. First, let me just clear one thing up. I, I, I didn't go with anyone to Augusta. Who was getting that invite? I want to be on their team. I need that. That uh, I, I want to be on. Steph Curry. Who's going? You, well, Steph. yeah. I mean, okay. So Steph, when Steph's I on can, the pod, yes. you can you can get him on. You can ask yeah. him to get to you yeah. to Augusta. <laughs> I got to get my game up before we go there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't, you know, the first really famous, you know, like, he plays a lot of golf guy for me was MJ. Um, and I, I, I had an uncle that, that was heavy into golf. He's a dentist. So I, I got introduced to it like when I was in high school, but it was really frustrating, uh, for, for me as a younger, a younger person. Um, I, I, I don't know why for all basketball players, not all of them gravitate towards it, but the ones that do from my experience and what it, what it did for me was like younger, I couldn't stand it. I didn't have the patience um 18 holes was ridiculous uh couldn't couldn't execute the way i wanted to and so the whole thing was just a turn off and then as i got a little older and older like i started to appreciate the patience that it took and the the craft that you needed the skill level that was required um and i'd still get really angry and i was known to throw a club or break a club or 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 something like that but but it was a it i stayed with it and it taught me patience and it taught me you know, how to let a shot go because if I was worrying about the shot that I just did not execute, I couldn't perform the one that was in front of me. And it's weird because you think like a professional athlete would, their sport would do that for them, but it wasn't that for me. It was golf. Golf is what kind of calmed me down, taught me how to be more patient, even within the the the, the game that you're playing that day, um, how to let stuff kind of roll off your back a little bit better than you were able to do before. And so that's what I kind of loved about it because it just, it, it brought out a different me when I was out there on the golf course. And then generally speaking, you know, I take my wife with me. It's just most golf days are beautiful. I mean, it's, you know, the sun's like out. It's a vibe, especially on like a, yeah, a day bro. off. It's vibe. What? You're out there just chilling. And so you put all those things together and I just, I fell in love with it, man. I was, I get 36 a day when I first retired. I was easy for 36 a day. Do NBA players or specifically athletes in general need something to keep them competitive, right? Is that like some, especially post-retirement, right, where you're you're not able to go on the day-to-day basket? Like you can't quench your thirst of, of competitiveness after your, whether you're in the backstage of your career, you're not being able to like have really an effect on winning or losing in the game when you're in the front office. Same thing, right? That's I'm sure that's a frustrating thing or something you have to get over when you're in the front office. Does golf kind of cure that for 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 basketball players or in general players in general when they're not playing anymore? Absolutely, and but for me, it didn't start as that, right? Because I was doing it while I was still competing at a high level. But but um, as as you know, that outlet for competition disappears. Golf fills the void, um, and it's not just the competition; it's the you know you've spent your entire life trying to master something. You know, for me, it was shooting a jump shot and really uh, obsessing about how to be fractionally better at it. And, and can I tweak this? And will that help me? Oh no, it didn't. Let me go back to the drawing board and golf satiated 
that that kind of need to to obsess about something and and you know the 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 competition certainly came into play after that but the first thing was just hey being out on that range and like trying to how do i hit this flop shot i keep blading it like you know i like how do we do this and so i'm out there and i'm out there and i'm out there and we're working and we're working and there's a need for that because we've dedicated our entire life to this this kind of mastery of a shot or a move or what what have you um but interestingly like when i got when i got done playing and i'm down here in south florida you know that that part was there for me, right? I had a club, you know, I was playing a lot of golf. And then I got up with a group of guys that would all probably fall into the category that you're talking about. Um, who was it, it, that played like every Wednesday and it was competitive, you know, light, lightweight money, nothing, nothing serious, but just really for the right to talk shit. And so, you know, it was myself, uh, it was, it was Eddie Jones, you, uh, Cornelius Bennett, um, um, you'd have, uh, Mike Vick would be in the group. You'd have Lawrence Taylor in the group. You'd have, uh, anybody who was in town, like baseball, football, basketball, and they would be in this group. It'd be like 40 dudes. And we'd move around from club to club playing against each other. But that's what it was. It was just a way, like, first of all, we, most of us missed the locker room. So you get an afternoon yeah, where, the camaraderie. you know, yeah, you're back in there, you're sitting at lunch, you're talking shit. You know, you're clowning somebody for, for, uh, you know, their performance that day. But real talk, it's competition, and you get the right to talk shit until next, you know, next week. Who was the best basketball golfer you played the greens with, and who was the worst? <laughs> uh, the best, the best, and the worst. Let's see. I don't know. Um, I never played with Steph, but Steph's. Steph's pretty awesome. Um, Michael Finley, I played with, was he was good. Um, Nazi Muhammad could hit him pretty well. Darren Williams, you know, I played with Darren and Mehmet Akor. Bro, Both real quick, real quick, real ball. quick, real quick, before we get to that, you mentioned Darren Williams, one of the more underrated athletes to ever play the game. I just want to, I want to, I want to give him his flowers because he could play golf, right? Obviously, was one of, like at a time was one of the best point guards in the league, and then he's doing MMA, bro, like. At a high level. Yeah, Darren was a, a physical like monster. People sleep on just exactly how big he was. I mean, that's not a little, that's not a little dude to start with, right? Like he, but he's big and he's athletic and he 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 has that, you know, that's why like MMA would probably fill those same two voids for him, right? Need for competition, but also what can I what can I try to master now? Like what can I what can I dive into that's gonna consume me and kind of and kind of take me to that that safe place of 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 um, you know athletic mastery. And so yeah, Darren was dope. But I played with a lot of. I'm trying to think of who the best would be. You put me on the spot. I mean, Jr. Jr. could hit the ball. I didn't play with yeah. him a lot, but I played you know in Cleveland. Jr. Um, seems like he's great on the golf course, bro. Like he's just a great hang. He would just be a really great <laughs> hang. <if you're- laughs> I think Jr. Generally is a great hang. Yeah, shout out to Jr. <laughs> yeah, golf course or not. Um. Uh, who's the worst? Now that's who's the worst. A, yeah, who's the worst? The worst. The worst. Did I play with any bad? Uh, Raja, just for everybody who can't see the Zoom right now, Raja's doing the thing where he knows the answer to who's the worst, but he doesn't know the story yet and to tell yet, and he doesn't also want to, you know, doesn't want to make the block hot. <laughs> that's the face he's making right now. But he's still no, going to give us an answer. True. Who's the who's the worst? It's definitely not true. I'm trying. I don't recall playing with any really bad 
NBA golfers because it's like was it you? Was it you, Roger? I mean, it could, it could have been. Like if I'm saying <laughs> if I'm if I'm if I'm saying I only play with good ones because typically with with golf, unless you're in your like friend group, you know, your friend group can have various like handicaps and stuff like that. But typically in NBA locker room, we ain't got a ton of time and stuff like that. So you're you're finding guys that kind of hit it like you hit it in and about. So it could I mean, I guess it could have been me. Um, you know, I don't know. I was I was probably yeah, it could have been me. At my at my best, I was probably like a nine ten. So, could have been me. Okay. All right, Roger. Speaking of making shots, the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals. Yep. I just want to. We'll just see where this conversation goes because we're in the part of the finals where we're still figuring out storylines because it's kind of been inevitable, right? The the, the my, we're, we're recording this on a on a Monday. On the on the uh, morning of Game Five, and you know the series just tells us that Denver is probably locking this up at some point, and probably locking it up tonight. But the trend that I've seen, Raja, is just how much better the Denver Nuggets are than the field. What have the Denver Nuggets done against the Miami Heat that no other team has been able to do in your eyes throughout this postseason consistently against the Miami Heat? Well, the answer is contain their ability to make threes and 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 you know stifle uh their ability to make threes, but it's a tough it's a tough it's a tough answer to your question because you know the Heat are missing threes. Like they've missed shots that they haven't missed in other series. Some of them are wide open shots. So, you know, it's hard to give Denver credit for that, but I do have to give Denver credit for the majority of the threes, because it's not the majority of them that are wide open. Denver is really running and getting them off of those. Like they are, they have made a real effort um, after game two to be locked in and getting guys like Gabe Vincent, you know, off that line, getting guys like Caleb Martin and and Max Struess off the line. Um, Duncan got a few in the last game, but even Duncan Robinson, you've seen him way more, you know, you've heard the commentators talk about his ability and how he's, how he's kind of grown offensively and now he's able to get in the paint, right? But that's out of, you know, necessity because they're they're getting to him and getting him off of those threes. And so, I, you know, I, I watched last game and I, I was just re-watching it before we hopped on and there was a play that was on the, like, left, left side of the court. It was first half. Gabe Vincent had missed a quick three out of the corner or a quick three to start the game. But he came off a pick and roll and this was in the mid-range area, man. This was around free throw line extended. And Joker was in this drop coverage, right? And Bam got a nice little piece of whoever was guarding Gabe Vincent. And in the last two series, like clockwork, Gabe Vincent would either keep putting pressure on Joker and get into this little floater or just come off of that thing clean and stop and pop. Well, this time, and I rewound it twice because I was like, did I see what I thought I saw? He came off of it. He had a little jumper. He hesitated at the jumper. Then he took another dribble, picked it up, and then still didn't shoot it, and he was wide open. And so I say all that to say Denver has created that type of atmosphere defensively where Miami at times either isn't confident or doesn't really identify that they're open because they're so inconsistently open the way they've been in in series past. Which ironically is what the Miami Heat have been doing to teams all postseason long, right? Not making, making, getting them out of rhythm, making them think twice about jumpers, right? We even saw that with the Boston Celtics series where 
you know, the, the Celtics are getting wide open jumpers, but they're hesitating. Now it's Miami that are the team that's the team that's consistently hesitating. And also from what I've seen, Jimmy Butler is just gassed. You know, like he's playing like a guy that is that has has willed his team to this point and it's not enough. It's interesting. I do want to talk about Denver in a second, but I want to talk about Miami right now. And it's something that I've been thinking about throughout this finals. From it's 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 an interesting double-edged sword that the Miami Heat are 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 experiencing right now because obviously they've gotten all the success, but this finals has shown the glaring holes that they have in terms of depth and also in terms of just talent in general, right? Like they do need to upgrade. How should they go about this offseason where they did overachieve in a lot of ways, but I think the glaring things are there and they were not a good basketball team throughout this season and and, and, and just got on a run. How, where do they go from here? Honestly, win or lose. I don't think they're winning this series by any chance. They don't have a chance of doing that. But how do they approach this offseason where they had a great year, but they are not the talent level and the 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 – it's not. I don't know if it's going to work the way it did next year, the way it has this year. Well, let me let me start by kind of taking a step back and talking about what Denver did before I talk about what Miami needs to do. Like D- Denver has been pretty committed. You talked about Jimmy Butler to not come in a double Jimmy Butler, right? For the most part, they're able to keep decent length on him. Even Jamal Murray is a pretty big guard, um, and they're going to kind of live with what Jimmy does, like whether he's gassed or the length is affecting him or whatever that looks like. They've said, you're not going to catch us in these double situations where now when you spray the ball around the court, we can't get to those shooters, right? So boom, Jimmy, kind of do what you do. Like we'll roll the dice. Bam. We're going to be in this drop coverage every time you set the pick or, or you know, DHO's Joker's been up a little bit more, but essentially they're going to let Bam play in the middle of the floor, you know, and he's he's been able to score 20 a game or so, but, you know, like that that's not enough. You need the supplementation of all these guys shooting the ball. And for the most part, Denver has said, we're not going to let you do that. We're going to stay home as best we can, run these guys off of shit. And Jimmy and Bam, you know, if if you can, like, go ahead. Let's, 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 see, let's see if you can beat us, right? Now, I, 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 I say that because what the Heat are missing in that is another dude who can really make plays. And I'm not taking anything away from Max Struess and Gabe Vincent and, you know, Caleb Martin and, and, uh, and Duncan and even Kyle Lowry, all of them made plays, you know, over the course of these playoffs. But I don't think any of them are primary playmakers consistently. That like that's not a knock. Like they they're not primary. Like you see Caleb Martin. Like you see he had a great series. He looked like the best player on the floor at times against the Celtics. And that, that you're just like that's we talk about what separates stars and role players and so on and so forth. It's the ability to do that consistently. And so what the Heat are missing in that is another dude. And guess where he is? Where is he, Roger? He's on their bench. He's hurt. It's Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero. Right. And so I mean, yeah. And also like Victor Oladipo, primary play can be a primary playmaker when fully healthy. True. Um but I think in terms of the way the Heat are looking at it, which brings me to the answer to your question is, like, we're not that far off if we have another dude out there that can primary, like, playmake and put some of these other pieces that, are, that have, have had great playoff runs, but s- to some degree out of character for the stretches they were doing it, it puts them back in their comfortable roles and it makes us a, a deeper team, uh, a, a better scoring team, 
you know, in a harder to defend team. And so when you ask me what the Heat need to do, I mean, sure, I, I think, you know, anytime you can get, you know, more athletic um, with quality, you know, wing depth and, and, and all of the things that are cliche in the NBA. Yeah, you go out and you go out and do that. But I think if you're telling me you have Jimmy, Tyler is going to continue to take the next step, which everyone, I guess, would think he should do. Bam continues to evolve. As long as you're kind of shoring up that bench and stuff, I don't know that you need to make any drastic changes because part of what you're missing, a big part of what you're missing is sitting right there anyway. So, you know, Kids really love to watch the finals, Roger, you know, and kind of get inspiration. And I just imagine there's a kid out there. Imagine there's a kid out there watching the Denver Nuggets, specifically watching the Joker, right? But there's also a kid out there that's probably watching Aaron Gordon ball out. What lesson do you want that kid to take away from Aaron Gordon's performance? during these NBA finals and throughout the postseason? The lesson is that if you want to play on high-level teams and have shots to win championships, sacrifices sometimes have to be made. I can't guarantee you that you have to make the sacrifice. Like You might be the bread-winning offensive player and get to have the ball in your hands and do all of that, and that's great. But more often than not, sacrifices are going to have to be made if you want to play at the highest level and have a chance to win championships because you're going to be playing with more talent. And as more talent creeps into this delicate balance of a chemistry-like experiment, um, people have to give up a little bit of what they did in other situations you know, that, that weren't necessarily winning situations to accommodate this talent, to find the best the best uh, you know, recipe to success. And so I think Aaron Gordon is a, is a great example of a dude that came into the league. He wasn't in, a, in the most winning situation in Orlando, but he certainly could score the ball like whenever you know, he needed to and had great years scoring the ball. But now he's in a place where he's not the primary focus offensively and they're asking him to defend his ass off. Um, they're asking him to have great energy. They're asking him to board the shit out of it and then, and then be a, a scorer. And he's just bought into the role in a way that championship teams need people to buy into those types of roles. And so I think it's a great example. I talk to my sons about it all the time. Um, I talk to the teams that I coach about it all the time. Like, look, I get it. Mom and dad want everybody's mom and dad wants them to be the 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 A one offensive guy. It's fucking unrealistic. It's just unrealistic. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. This is a team sport, so everyone's going to have a specific role on this team. If it comes up to you to figure out whether or not that role is something you're interested in playing or not. Um, and, and, and in some instances you can, you can grow out of that role with continued work and, and, and dedication to the craft. But like, as it, as it is right now, this is, this is what we look like as a team. This is how I, I see you fitting in. This is how you can help us win games. Do do you want to win games or not? And a lot of times I'm going to keep it a buck, Logan. And now I'm ranting and raving. Let's get it. Let's get it. Probably. Yeah. Far too often in our AAU culture, I get kids all the time that come from programs. We beat them by 30 over and over and over again, but they score 25. So they're good players. They're good players. So mom or dad will be like, hey, how can we be down? And I'm like, okay, well, you know, like 
bring him to practice. Let's see how he fits. Like, like, let's see. I don't, I don't do tryouts. Let's see what this work looks like. You get, you get the kid in a gym and the kid has been playing on bad teams for so long, scoring the ball and being taught that nothing else matters that he don't care about winning anymore. It's not a priority. It's not a priority Two really gifted players. So they come into your gym and you can tell that they don't give a shit about whether or not their team wins in this, in this game that you've put together in this competition that, that they're, that they are in, they just care whether they're getting off in it. And I, I, you know, like, so, I mean, I've had these where you're saying to parents, Hey, listen, man, it's a good player, not putting stock into the things that are, that are important right now. And, and what you realize is a lot of times it's not, it, it could be coming from the kids, but in a lot of instances it's coming from the parents. And I think it's a problem. I know we're talking about NBA basketball. Aaron Gordon is a great example of how not to be like that. But I see that far too often in our subcultures and our in our development, you know, uh, platforms for kids in the basketball space of forgetting about what is important, which is winning. What's the like biggest difference between? What's the difference between biggest difference between a basketball player and a winner? From what you've seen. Well, look. look first of all, let me say this: a skill and a winner. Skill development is a thing too, because I'm online and I see people and skill development guys and they're all like, hey man, got to develop your skills. It's better to play on a bad team and develop those skills than play on a good team. And like, look, man, I personally don't subscribe to that bullshit. I don't. Like, I don't ever think it's better to play on a bad fucking team so you can get your numbers off and learn how to get hit in the fucking head every night. Like, I think that's stupid. I think you can learn how to lose just like you can learn how to be a winner. And I, I, I see it all the time. And so there are really skilled players that can go out there and get you 30 points. But you drop him into a game on a team like our eighth grade team where we got a bunch of mugs that can get you 30 points, but none of them are going to have more than 12 because we are going to share the ball. As soon as I see a secondary defender in my, in my peripheral, I'm off the ball. Like you don't have to beat him and the next defender that's waiting for you. Just move the ball and trust that that guy is going to make the right play either for himself or the next guy. Or... How about this? Maybe you at the end of the day, but that's the difference. The kid that won't do that is a, he's a talented player. I don't put them in good basketball player because it ain't an individual. This is not one-on-one competition, bro. It's interesting because I even think of, even to bring it back to Aaron Gordon, right? This guy was, you know, he's from around here. He's from San Jose and then went to, then was a McDonald's all American, right? Played one year at Arizona lot of success to start his basketball life right then goes to orlando and is the primary scorer i've seen him but his teams weren't winning what's the transition like because i feel like this can go one of two ways right especially when you're in those those positions you sign you know you sign the contract again like you sign whatever your deal is and then you just wind up being irrelevant on a team like no shade to Orlando, but they haven't been relevant in the last few years, no matter what, right? No matter how you slice it. You sign a deal, you stay with this team, and you continue to be a 38-42 to 42 win team. Or you can go the Aaron Gordon route, which is, you know, this has run its course. I want to win. Like, I can't do another rebuild. I want to win. And I feel like there's a transition there because there's a lot of players, let's be honest, man, not every player is a top. 10 player even if you get drafted as a top 10 player in the draft that doesn't mean you're going to be a top 10 player in the league 
But I feel like there's a transition period and, and, and players get messed up and lost in the sauce here because they have this identity crisis when they get traded to a team where they're not going to have an extended role and they have to go and be a really, really good player. It's like the Andre Iguodala role on a team where you are a great skilled player and your talent is there, but your talent has to mesh with a greater team. I feel like that's what Aaron Gordon has done. But what's that transition like? Because I'm sure you've seen it from the front office to even just playing alongside those guys where guys get an identity crisis and they go, they don't go the Aaron Gordon route. They're like, well, what about mines? What about mines? What is that transition like? Um, Never having had Never having have had to make that transition, it's really hard for me to tell you what goes into the psyche of a guy having to do that. I was always a role player. Ever since I left college and the CBA, it was very clear to me that I was going to play a role on your team. What role that was, was going to be probably determined, you know, in, in training camp and, and by what other talent we had on the team. But I knew it wasn't going to be my team. You know what I mean? So like, that was never a misconception of mine. I didn't have to deal with that. Now, looking at players who have had to do it, um, I, I, I really think what it comes down to is, is it, and it's it's simple, and it's the same thing I'm talking about. It's human nature. I mean, like what like what is most important to you? What is, what is the most important thing to you? Is it is it is it you? Is it is it is it the vanity? Like, hey, man, I, I'm nice. Like, I need everybody to know I'm nice. I can do that. Is it winning? Is it is it making money? Like, there are a lot of things that go into being a professional basketball player. Because I'll sit here and tell you, Logan, matter of fact, they sold me for two years. Well, my first year in Philly, it was the only thing I could do was play defense, right? Like, I, I wasn't going to score the ball. My next year in Philly, I'm not saying that I could have scored it at a high level, but I could get a couple points, but I'm playing on a team where, you know, the, the, the way it's built, most of our jobs is to defend. Do you know what I'm saying? And I didn't play much that year anyway. Then I go to Dallas and I have Dirk Nowitzki, Steve Nash, Michael Finley, Nick Van Exel, Walt Williams. Like my job's not going to be to score the ball. Your job's going to be to defend and stuff like that. And so I, I bought into that. Then, but guess what? Ain't nobody paying you for that. That's the reality of that shit. Ain't nobody paying you for that. The motherfuckers are looking at you like minimum, bro. Come on in here and defend too. Right. And and I'm like, well, but you keep telling me to buy into this role. <laughs> like, you know, so roles have to be rewarded. Like if someone's playing that role to a team, you got to be rewarded. So they ain't rewarding you for that. So it wasn't only until I scored some points in Utah that somebody said, hey, man, like take take this little bit of bread. Take that. You know what I mean? Because, and so I'm like, okay, it becomes about scoring the points. But but anyway, I digress. Like you're, what happens is, and you've seen successes with like the Andrea Godalas, um, and then you've seen like semi successes. Like Melo fell into this a little bit, even though they're different players. Melo, it clicked for Melo later, right? He had that little bit of it time took where him he was getting out of the league. It took him like knowing that work. he could get get banished for him to go like, oh, I'll come off the bench. I'll, I'll play that role. That's right. It clicked. It clicked for him later, but it clicked right where he was like, "Yo, okay, I got it. I got it. I'm. I maybe. I'm at one point. Maybe I was that, but they don't see me like that. So let let me let me figure out how I can you know stretch this career out. And then like you know, cat like Dion Waiters, who like he just was not. And I love Dion, but he wasn't interested in that. Like he 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 wanted to be primary scorer. You know what I mean? Like that was his end. On some he nights he ball. could be that. On some nights he could be that, right? Where he is this guy where you're like, what the fuck? Like he could beat a team by himself on some nights. 
Absolutely. Like Dion could go crazy with the ball in his hands, not consistent enough to be the number one on a team. Maybe, maybe even the number two on a, on, on probably not the number two, but the point is not really interested in, in doing the other stuff, like and fitting in, in any other capacity than that. And so eventually, you know, they, they have dudes that will. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Nissan. Level up your next four-wheeled adventure with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, built to navigate you to some of Earth's most awe-inspiring spots with seven drive modes and all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. How, well, how, how many years does it take for the league pa- to pass you by, I think, is the, is the, is the bigger question, right? Where... I mean, I think we're seeing that this year with Ben Simmons, right, where because he won't go into a certain role, right, or because of whatever happened. But I think specifically also with the um, – there's he a lot of factors play. in this. Exactly, that part, right? But the, the I guess the bigger point is the league is about to pass him by, right, because – there's gonna there's gonna come to a point where a lot of teams just don't want to deal with that shit no more, and or also you're not gonna be in teams' future plans. How long do you have to whether you're a Ben Simmons type player or you know like you're you're, you're Raja Bell in 1999 trying to get into the league right and trying to figure out its place? How much time do people have to figure it out in their way before the league is like, nah, we're on to the next one, man? It's a good question. Some of that is some of that is uh, is is going to be predicated on what your contract situation looks like. Like Ben Simmons, like I haven't looked at his contract, but they're obviously they're contractually like you know connected to him in a way that probably bears more time for him. Like a player like me, I come into that league with Philly. If I'm in there taking shots and and doing dumb shit and walling out, I'm gonna get one more shot at it probably somewhere else. But if I go to that situation and I can't figure out how to be a productive member of that team, and it doesn't mean that I have to be playing, but they got to be able to see in practice that I understand. Like you can't have coaches in practice every other day being like, man, what the fuck is wrong with? Why is he doing it? Why is he keep shooting that shot? Why, why would he break the offense and keep doing that? Like if, if that happens to me in my second stint, I'm, I'm out because I'm undrafted. So like I'm getting really one good look at it. Maybe two if I fit all the physical criteria and, and, and then I'm gone. 
But, you know, for some dudes, if you don't meet all the benchmarks physically and shit like that, you get one look to see if, hey, man, like the only reason I would have got a second look, Logan, is because I had some success in the fi- in the finals. And everybody saw it. Everybody was able and to it, see your success. And everybody right? saw yeah. it. So they give me another look. But coming in the way I came in on a 10-day and then an extended 10-day, if, if I can't get right, because all these dudes talk, and they're like, yo, man, this kid just doesn't understand who he is. He doesn't understand that he's not going to shoot nine shots a game on an NBA team, maybe until his 10th year. If he, he doesn't get that, I, I doubt I get another look at that. What about, and let's look at the other side. What about the Ben Simmons? And honestly, let's keep it a buck. How long does like the Ben Simmons and John Morants have, right? Where they're these super, super duper talented type players. But like they just, they have forever. (laughs) They get, listen, it ain't forever. I mean, there's an expiration date on everything. But you come into the league as a first round draft pick, you got to prove to those motherfuckers that you can't play. Okay, you come in as an undrafted or late second round. You got to prove to them not once, sometimes not twice, sometimes three times that you can play before they feel secure in giving you the bag. Now, that's why the Heat and teams like that are really good because they can identify it early, like lock it up and develop it. But you know, you come in, you come in the hard way. You gonna have to keep proving that you can do it. You come in. The first round pick way, you're gonna have to prove to them multiple times that you cannot do it. And then when you most, when you when you prove that you can't do it, they'll be like, Well, we'll just get we you have immense talent. We'll just give you the mid-level. We'll, we'll yeah, give you the mid-level. Can, and, and we'll we'll we try to rebuild it. it. <laughs> we'll try to <laughs> rebuild it, right? <laughs> or, you know, like you're out of it, like, yo, man, we got maybe like one or two more years out of this. Let's give a little two-year deal that's not gonna hurt our cap, but like <laughs> fact. You know? Fact. Yeah. yeah. Oh man! But but, uh, no, but listen, your your pairing. There's a lot that goes into that because I, I don't mean to like dil- like really strip it all the way down and make it sound as black and white. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Is he a good dude? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, but is he a problem in the locker room? Does everybody love him? Like, does he have a great work ethic? Like, there there's you know there are things that go in to to whether or not someone is going to grant you more opportunities. And 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 on the flip side, why some dudes are out of the league like real quick, and you're like, what? How what? he's gone? Yeah, like, yeah he's an it's, asshole. It's, like, he's got. It's so funny, and I'm not going to name names here, but it's just so funny to players that, like, and we've seen it all, right? The misunderstood players who say, oh, y'all got me all wrong. I don't know why I'm not in the league. Like, I could do it. And, like, every team that you've been on, you have caused some type of, like, eye roll. Those are the the, the, the funnier ones. But I, t- I mean, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you a story towards the end of my career, like what my situation in Utah. I talk about it all the time. Um, the, the way that went down, I probably cost myself two years on the end of my career, I think roughly. But two years of, of, two years of being a minimum, um, you know, play once every five game type of guy. You know what I mean? Like I was no longer a real rotational piece, but... What I did was I like my good guy image, like I tarnished it by what happened in Utah, right? And and they did they 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 helped me tarnish it. <laughs> like I did I did it and then they just helped me they guided you know, your ass. They were like, here you go. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, get the fuck out. But yeah. but um like so, 
you know, there are situations like that where a dude might be able to prolong it a little bit and be around. And the reality was for me, I was just in a toxic situation. That that was toxicity. Like I thought they made me feel like I was crazy out there because I was looking around at stuff that didn't happen anywhere else and calling it out. Like, wait, does anybody else see this? And everybody out there was like, no, you're the crazy one. And I'm like, well, may- maybe I am. I mean, but, but I wasn't like, I was still a good dude. Like Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward and I still text like, and, and Gordon was the guy that they were like, had just drafted and was bringing in to kind of be the next generation of jazz players. And I supported the shit out of G like, that's my guy. I still text G. So they tried to, they tried to make it out to be something that it wasn't, but what had happened was, you know, and I remember talking to one of my buddies who was a strength and conditioning coach on a perspective team that was looking to bring me in <clears throat> and they called me and I was like waiting to fly out. And, you know, my agent thought it was a good look. And then they were, uh, I didn't hear from him. And so I hit him. I was like, yo, what's happening? He was like, well, the word, the word behind closed doors is, you know, you, you might not, you might be too good at this point to accept the role that we have for you. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I, I got, I, I wasn't at that place. I knew who I was, but that was what I had done. Like the mess that I had made in Utah. And that was now the the narrative on me is that I wasn't going to come in there and be a good soldier and, and come off the bench and stuff like that, you know? And so sometimes that affects people's ability to stay around the league too. That's so wild, man. Cause like, I mean, I could go the politics way of all those things, but that wouldn't like, you could say all oh, the politics of it wasn't on your side and it wasn't. But I guess the question I had is, and I think you kind of answered it, was how many more years can being a good guy get you in the NBA, right? Like how many more, I guess that's the question, right? The the the, the Jawan Howard question of like, you know, or yep. the, I mean, the Heat have a lot of these guys, right? Udonis Haslam, like we just need guys in there. How much of, the, how much of being a good, how many more years can that get you in your career? Um, see today's, today's NBA with the new, you know, with the, the, the structure of contracts and all of that stuff and me not having been in it, like, I'm not sure, but when I played, right, because, you know, those, those, those minimums were, were, were more throwaways and stuff like that. I mean, being a good dude could extend you three, four years. Like, especially if you were a, a successful, like a lot of times bigs, like Jawan Howard was, was a really great player. And he was a big, and he was a great dude. Like you got all those things going for you. I mean, that that shit could ride you out for five years. Like for 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 somebody like me, I think I could have got two years worth of good dude stuff. Like on the end of that, just come in, work my tail off, show the younger kids, you know, the ropes, um, be a good family guy. Like those type of things, I think could have extended me two, maybe maybe three years. Um, you know, and and I, I I've said multiple times, I think. That's part of the problem in the league now is not enough of those dudes around. I, I, you know, not enough, not enough age in a lot of these locker rooms, not enough perspective in a lot of these locker rooms. So you got young kids, you know, at 18 years old coming into being professional basketball players and all that entails and not having anybody really in that locker room with eight years of experience that can say, hey, bro, listen, hold, chill out. Let's have a talk. Let's let's go to dinner tonight, man. Hey, why don't you come over and and like I, you know, like Gordon Hayward and 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 uh, Jeremy Evans and those dudes when they were in Utah, like I'd have them at my son's birthday parties. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, come hang out, dog. So you can see, like, see, see what this looks like. So you're not just caught up in, in the illusion of what it, what it is. Yeah. What is the illusion that these young players have versus what reality is? Like, what do they think it is? Because I hear stories of even, you know, I'm not going to say name names right now, but like, there's young dudes in this league right now who haven't done anything and is acting like, you know, they out here and they they the most popping thing on earth. Like, you see that a lot behind the scenes. See that a lot in the summer league. You know what I mean? A lot of people fronting like they're, they're they they got it already. What yep. what is the perception versus the reality? Well, the perception is like I'm in a league. I play in a league. You know, so like, yo, I'm, I'm about to cop this this whatever whip. Um, I got the Gucci and the Louis bags ready to go. Like this is when I play. Like I don't know what the bag. I don't know what the bags are now. Like do you know what I mean? Like what they are. Um. You know, I gotta get I gotta get this jewelry. Um, and then I'm out. Like bottles, whatever, you know, like we're partying, dog. We're we're where we need to be. And it, it, I lived that illusion. I lived it. Shout that out, out right All Star Weekend. <laughs> yeah, I lived it. No, no, like that shit got me right out the league, right to Spain. Because the reality of it is getting in and 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 developing like developing as, as a person, um, you know, developing as, as a player, um, you know, and developing as, as a, as a teammate and a part of an organization that, that is in their minds, like integral to the success of the organization so that you can have some longevity there. Right. And, you know, that means coming in and learning how to be a professional, man. That means being where you're supposed to be on time. That means taking care of your body in a way that that allows it to produce for you, you know, the way it should. That means making sure that you're, you know, um, studying that film and and have a full grasp and understanding of not only your offense and, and defense, uh, uh, but what the other team is going to do to you, given the opportunity to have that at your fingertips. You know, that means taking care of your bread, learning, learning how to, put it away and put it with people who you trust so that it can, can work for you. And it's not, you're not looking down at it in two years saying, well, what the fuck? I thought I had, I thought I had that. That's how much I got in there. Like, you know, it's, it's all of these things go, it's about, you know, in the summers figuring out, Hey man, what did I not do great in this first year, second year? What do I need to be better at? Let me go find the best possible resource I can find to help me do that. Where are you going to be? I'm either flying you to me or I'm coming to you, but this is how I'm going to get better. I've, I've targeted it and this is my focus. So when I come back next year, I'm something different. I'm going to maintain all the good shit, but I'm coming back with, you know, some of these areas tightened up and that's how you continue to develop. And that's how you become a pro. Do you know what I mean? Like too many of these dudes, it's, it's not about their profession. You know what I'm saying? Like not, not, I mean, the, the stars are stars and they're professionals, but some of the fringe guys like myself, you know, if you don't, or you even don't the learn, guys that have star aspirations, right, Raja? Because I think about this all the time, right? Where I see these young dudes or some of these young guys in the league, right? Who say, like, yo, man, Kobe is my favorite player of all time. LeBron is my favorite player of all time. Like, go down to Kevin Durant is my favorite player of all time. Steph Curry is my favorite player of all time. And I don't think that they like see the other side of that, of like, yo, man these dudes that you talk about are obsessed with the game in a way that you are not at this point. You're just really good at it right now. But like, there's another side of it where like they're watching film and they're like, they know everything that you're about to do before you do it. Right. Because they're watching all of these things and they're trying to get better. Like you, you, if you hear like, 
I'm not again not gonna say name names, but like if you hear like if you tell me like off camera like a certain name, and you you hear so many stories about these people like no nah, they're not serious they're not ready for this they're not serious they're thinking about everything else that comes with the game that has nothing to do with what's actually going on, nothing to do with what's actually going to get them to another level over the summertime. And, you know, sometimes it's frustrating because you see all the talent in some of these young kids. And then it's like, well, damn, because if you see Kobe, right. Or you see some of these people and we talked about it earlier where like with AAU guys, sometimes I just want to tell them like the ones that are make scoring like 25, 30 a game and they're losing by 30. And they say that their, their, their favorite player all time is Kobe or whatever. It's like, nah, man, Kobe actually could tell you, can, can you tell me what an offensive set is? And can you tell me what the defense is trying to do with this trap and how you gotta, you gotta, how you have to get out of, you see elevators coming. How are you going to defend that? Right. This is what the innate thing that these stars that you idolize know already to a T um, and th- that's something that I kind of want to tell these talented kids that have the talent to be on the level of the next generation, but they just don't have the winning wherewithal because winning to them is scoring 30 and losing by 30. I mean, hopefully you get your hands on a bunch of them and you can tell them, man, I try, I try to do it with the, with the limited, you know, access to these kids that I have, but. I think you're right. And and I, I would take it a step further. It's like, you know, Kobe, Kobe is the exception to the rule. KD is the exception to any rule. So, so while I'm not telling you not to like idolize them and try to take pieces away from their game and stuff like that, the majority of kids aren't going to be given a ball like Kobe was and say, hey, go score 81 points. Not only are they not going to have the platform to do it because a coach isn't going to say, hey, this is... But they don't have the ne- the gifts to, to be able to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? And so, like, you know, it's, 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 it's dangerous. Like, I try, I try to tell kids all the time, man, you're... Look, be able to score the ball. Be able to do all those things. And this is the, this is what I think people miss about idolizing the Kobe's of the world and stuff like that. Because I think we actually don't do Kobe. We don't do those types of players justice when we talk about them. We highlight all of their abilities offensively and how they could get a bucket and how great and proficient they are offensively. And you don't talk about all of the other shit that they're great at. Defensively, rebounding, ability to, to, to help teammates get better situationally if they need to like all of those things so you wind up with a kid that is just focused on trying to light your ass up anytime he can get the ball and then i'm saying like well what else do you do like what what else do you do if i got a motherfucker that does that better than you and i'm telling you that's not your job now what else do you do and too many of these little jokers can't answer that question they're like, Yo, what? man, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like what? It was interesting. I was uh, I was talking to uh, Andre Iguodala like last year and I was asking him, I was doing a story. It's out. It's in this piece that I did called The Warriors Want More. Make sure you check that out on The Ringer. Um, <clears throat> but I, I was doing a, I was, but I was talking to Andre um, just about like watching the Bulls growing up because he was, he's from Springfield, Illinois. We got to get Andre mm-hmm. on the pod. This is basically for me to tell Andre Iguodala and all your people that listen, stop catting and come on the pod because you've been saying like pump bacon <laughs> with the pump forward, the point forward shit. Like, uh-huh. yeah, but come on and come on next week. Stop catting, bro. Don't tell me if you coming if you ain't coming, bro. 
Sorry, but anyway, I was talking to him on the um, talking to him, <laughs> and he was uh, was saying basically when he was growing up, he was he would watch WGN a lot. If you guys don't know mm-hmm. what WGN is, it's the local I, sports station in Chicago that will play Bulls games, and it would also I used play to Bulls get all my Cubs sure. games on WGN, baby. <laughs> yeah, and it would be a national. It'd yeah. be it'd be like have, be on yeah. national cable channels, but it'd be a local to Chicago, right? But the Bulls mm-hmm. would play a lot of games on WGN. But what he said was that really like kind of tripped me out. He was like, yeah, man, like I would, I would watch Jordan and stuff, but I would actually watch like Steve Kerr and like Tony Kukoc and, you know, Scotty Pippen to see how they would actually get their shots alongside Jordan. Right. Like I wasn't necessarily watching Jordan play. He was, he was great, but I would watch like the other players to see how they got their buckets. And I'm like, that was just so rare. Right. And like, I wish, I wish like, you know, we gotta, we gotta teach the youth and I'm washed right now. I feel like I'm just getting to this far, but like, Though that's going to keep you more longevity in the league, right? Because I think people, another example of this, and this is going to bring tears to your eyes, Raja, a great example of a superstar playing within his role. And he doesn't get a lot of flowers for this, but is one Russell Westbrook. We see Russell Westbrook in the triple doubles and stuff, but we also forget 2012 in London where they said, no, Russ, fuck all that other stuff. We know you're a franchise star. Go guard the best player in the world. Go play him. Yep. Don't worry about shit else. And go guard and shut down the best players in the world on the other team. You know what Russell Westbrook did? He went and did that shit. He went and shut down the best players in the world yeah. because Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and Kevin Durant and all these players were on the team. And Russell Westbrook, who is a top 75 player all time, was like, nah, all right, I'm going to go shut down the best players in the world. And I think that's what we need. That's what a superstar really is. It's not like I'm going to score 25 points and get you one assist and I'm going to be minus 75 from the floor. But I got you 25 points and we lost by 30, right? That's, that's, I think, what is the key to sticking into this league that we're in right now. You know what it all comes down to? I think it's a great point. Um, I, I, I I, mean, I figured that out at a young age, man. Like, I, I didn't dunk until I was late in my 10th grade year. What the hell do I look like trying to be like Michael Jordan? Like, that's never going right. to be me. Like, that. Right. I mean, I might as well. I'm a, I'm cutting out on that right now. Also, we um, know who the Michael Jordans are before, like, early. We knew LeBron was LeBron at 13. We knew Kobe was Kobe at, like, 14 years old because he was on the AAU circuit. We knew this, right? So how are you going to fit yeah. into your role when you get there? Well, yeah, I mean, fair. But even in even in my hopes, like in my wildest fantasies that I would turn into it at one point, like I physically don't move like that. So ain't no <laughs> way that, that, that I'm going to be able to like replicate that. Um, but I think it's interesting because, you know, I, I, we talked pre-pod. I was up in Columbus, Ohio. I, I took... I took Dia up to the Ohio State camp. And I want to I want to draw a parallel between these two things because it, it's just what it boils down to for me. What you're talking about, ultimately, when Russ decides that he's going to take this role, it's it's competent competitors. What do I need to do to win? What can I do and what can I add to this equation to make it a winning recipe? I don't give it all that be damned. My my ego, um, personal goals, agenda. Um, fans, family, fuck all of that. What can I do to help this team win? That's a that's a competitor. When you strip it down and somebody says, yo, I'll give all of that up. I just want to win. You've got an apex ultimate competitor. And so Dia's sitting in an office. I'm sitting there with the quarterback coach. And, and he says there are three things 
they they have to be you know um goals for you if 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 you want to play here any quarterback that wants to play here you got to want to win a national championship you got to want to want to win a Heisman and you got to want to be the number one draft pick overall in the NFL and so we all listened to that right we went out Dia went to camp and we're driving we're driving later in the day and Dia's talking to me I said and he he mentioned it and I said D this is good man I was like because you know I, 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 you probably heard a lot of stuff, but let me help you distill this. I was like, because, you know, you hear it from me a lot and I know I'm dad and, and everything, but, and it could, you could get a little old for you, but it's great that you hear it from other people. But in case you didn't understand what he's saying, let me, let me just explain this. What he's saying is they want only the most competitive people, the ultimate competitors. They, if, if there's anything that is in you that isn't willing to bite off your arm to achieve one of those things or do whatever you have within your soul and your power and your world to achieve one of those goals, they can't, they don't have room for you. I was like, and and that, and, and it's good for kids to understand that because like, dog, you have to be an ultimate competitor. It has to be about winning. Sure. We've got to develop. Sure. We got to develop and get better and all of that. But at the end of the day, you want competitors. You want people that will, 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 do whatever they can physically and humanly do to achieve that goal, which is winning. And I thought it was really cool that the that 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 Coach Dennis said it to D. And I thought it was even more cool that I could have that moment with him in the car, where where he's like, he's like, yeah. And I said, look, D. I was like, look, as a young as a young player, like I I get it. Like sometimes you know the, the things happen and so on and and so forth. And and um you know, you're trying to figure out in your brain, like, Hey man, like, you know, what's the right thing to do in this situation? Like, how do, how do I manage like, you know, being a good teammate versus, you know, trying to win. And I, I said in that moment and in those moments, it, it ain't, it's only one answer. What do we need to do to win? Like, what, what do we need to do to win? How can I, how can I get us to that point? And if you can answer that question, like, Every time you leave the field or every time you leave the court, like I did everything in every one of those fucking moments, I was true to winning. Like I did what I needed to do and I told who I needed to tell and I held myself to the standard all in the best effort to win a game. If you could do that, you, you're straight, you're good. It's just interesting because like the common thread for me at least or that I've seen from people that are successful you know, like people that are consistently successful. I'm not even talking about sports. I am talking about sports, but it's it's a it's 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 a greater message for life that I that I've learned from from this is when you it, you can't be all the way up and down with that, right? If you're going to be a consistent winner, it is a routine. It is it is it's not you know I scored 45 one game and I and then I scored zero the next. It can't and I go for a week without scoring or whatever, right? Or I, that's just one example. But I remember I was talking to uh, I was talking to Steph, and it's for a story I did last year on him. And one of the things that that I got from it, and then one of the things that he said was, "It's like I'm, he's steady. He's just steady, Eddie. Right? Just at this one thing. We are taught to be these beams where we have to go ascend, descend, descend, like all the way up. Like one of those. We had this." Uh, I don't know if you if you had this in and where you where you're from, Ra, but at this abusement park we had this uh thing called uh, drop zone at Great America, right? Where it's one of those things where you go up and you fall all the way back down, right? Like you know what I'm saying, where you just drop. That's typically how it is for 
you know, young guys who don't make it in the league, right? They go zoop all the way and then they drop down, right? What you really want is you just want the steady all the way ascend because you're going to, that's how you stay into the league, right? You stay with these great habits until, and, until your career is over and your body can't, can't function anymore. But you'll always be great at whatever you do because you work hard and you have that competitive streak. And that's what I, I think that's what you were telling Dia, right? Like where you just got to be steady with this competitiveness and that's where you'll get the success that you get, right? All of that was perfectly put and it, it relates to everything. Like you, you think about like investing money in stock markets and stuff like that. Like volatility is scary, bro. You want, you want, steady, you want steady growth. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, you want steady growth, sure. bro. You don't, you, you, you know. Um, but, yeah. And so, real talk, what I just try to tell, what I and I started the pod with it at some point, and I went on a rant, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm back to it again. And then this is what I was saying to Dia was, and he and his brothers have this figured out. Um, their mom was a, a competitor. Like, I'm a competitor. It's the way we operate in our house. It's the way I've coached teams that they've been on. Even if their coach isn't talking about that, I'm always talking about that. Luckily, Dia's in a football program in high school that promotes that right now. You you have to be a competitor. You you have to be there. You have to be like clocking in every day and clocking out. Like you you have to be putting the work in because there's there's a goal and the goal is winning. Like if you are doing everything you can to help a team win, more often than not, you're going to be, you know, a, 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 a very good version of yourself. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you every time because there's some teams that will ask you to sacrifice some of yourself and, and ultimately all that you can be to play this role. And I've told you, like, depending on the team you're on, you got you to make that call. Is this a winning team? Is it worth it to me? If it's a bad, shitty team, like maybe I don't want to give myself up, you know, for, for us to lose all these games. But that's a personal thing. But if you are always competing, always questing to be, you know, like winning at a, at a you know, like if you're doing that and putting in the work on your end to do that, then, then you're going to be good. But that's what people want. Like that, that's what teams are looking for. That's what I was looking for when I was in the Cleveland Cavs front office. I want kids that compete. Like I want dudes that will fight you for every inch of that. I want a dude that will that will run over to somebody in the in the heat of the moment and and check them for like not doing their job. You know, like I'm good with a little bit of asshole. Now, if I see that's like a running theme and you're you're just a you know a butthead every time I come see you, that's different. But if you could see someone make a mistake and you know somebody runs over there and checks them, like yo, my man, like you know damn well that's your job. Let's go. We gotta be better than I want that. Because I want somebody that loses themselves in, in competition. Like, yo, dog, I'm, I'm almost blacking out. I'm going to do whatever I need to do out here to win these games. I'll, I'll tap back in with you when, when this shit is over. Yep, yep. Um, all right. Roger's not going to be here Thursday, so we're going to do the rare Monday real one of the week where we point mm. out a person, entity, and organization that won the week. I'm going to go first. Um, I'm going to go with a friend of the show. Big friend of the show, Miss Sue Bird, who got her jersey retired over the weekend. You know, she was out. She was. It was. It was. It was Seattle all weekend up in the Pacific Northwest. They had brunches. They had vibes. They put her. They put her number on the top of the Space Needle Raw. It was a beautiful. It was beautiful. It was great. What a great weekend. So you know, shout out to Sue Bird. Got her jersey retired by the uh, the Seattle Storm. Real one of the week. Word. Well, 
I mean, if that's how we're doing it, then I'm going to go with one Sylvia Fowles. <laughs> who also had her jersey retired. Um, and she's from right around the right around the corner. She's from Miami Edison. Um, also went to Gulliver Prep, where my sister went for a while. LSU. It was an eight-time WNBA All-Star Defensive Player yes, of the Year once, multiple-time champion. Um, yes, sir. So we got two WNBA players as real ones of the week for having jerseys retired. Let's get it. Go Sylvia and go Sue. Okay, so we got like a just quick housekeeping before we get out of here. Um, Tyler Hero has uh, been upgraded to questionable. Um, do the Heat win tonight? Negative. Negative. Uh, Denver Nuggets are your 2023 champions. <laughs> Me and Raja will see you next week. Raja it will not be on the Thursday episode, but we will see you. We love you, pal. Um, see you next week, bud. You already know. Salt Lake, we in the building. Ah, uh, uh, all the shits. Bye. Give me ah, uh, uh, Raza. Give me ah, uh, ah. Uh, give me ah. Uh. <laughs>